welcome to the Destiny Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. Spiritual warfare. Shabaranda dadaso. Yeah, that's usually what we know about spiritual warfare. <clears throat> um, this is not meant to be racist at all. Uh, most spiritual warfare groups have encountered words in Nigerian. <laughs> and I just, I, and uh, I'm, this is, I'm going to talk about the theology aspect of it in a bit. But whether you agree with it or not, passion is something that is attractive to God. I, I genuinely mean this. Um, and I want to, I, I want to make it very, very clear, guys. Uh, passion is of utmost importance. And there's nothing. I wish passion was a gift of the Spirit that I could impart. But it's not. It's something that is the grand total, the sum total of all the choices that you made when nobody's watching, when it doesn't really matter. But that is the, oh, I can't help it, but. Now there's Paul, the most blinded person probably in his time, persecuting the church, thinking he's doing the will of God. Why did God choose this guy? Because he had zeal, he had passion. And God's like, ah, I'm just going to need to show this guy that he's passionate about the wrong stuff, yeah? But man, because honestly, there's something about passion that... And Jesus is like, guys, I wish, for goodness sake, just be hot or cold. Don't be lukewarm. Yeah, just, even Jesus... It sounds really bad, but even Jesus can't do anything with lukewarm. Like, you know, you'll be a nice Christian. You'll be a nice neighbor. You won't be salt. You won't be making a difference. Yeah. So, so I'd, I'd rather, this is me personally, and this is actually not, well, you can take it for what it is. I'd rather be wrong, but passionately be wrong, than be mildly excited and right. Yeah. Because, I'm, I'm serious, uh, Martin Luther said it like that, if you sin, sin with all your heart. He wasn't condoning sin, and neither am I. But he was saying, for goodness sake, choose something and go for it with everything inside of you. Don't be sitting on the fence, or don't be like, mm -hmm. there's enough people that do that. I don't change anything. But if you genuinely want to impact your world, the world around you, passion needs to be prevalent inside of you. And that's, this is not something that your pastors can preach into you, that the school leaders can somehow do with you. This is your choices saying, okay, right now I don't feel like praying for that person. But I want to do this because I want to cultivate it. Not because I get brownie points or God is going to be mad at me if I don't. Not, no, just because I believe this is the kingdom. Let's do this. When you guys are on outreach, this is, it's, it's not a holiday. If honest, genuinely, if you are, if you're approaching it like this, you will have a nice week and nothing more. If you want to go on holiday, go on holiday. But there's, it, it might be that you are like missing the nicest lunch because you're praying for somebody and they're, do you know what I'm, what I'm trying to say? It's this, this passion of, wonder what God has for us today rather than oh just you know we walk into church and this is it it's like no even even the walking to and back from church is going to be a is has the potential of transformation for yourself and for the person that you're encountering it's and it's nothing that that anybody can do for you except you can choose that yourself and it's not and then we look at those super evangelists or super prophets and we think ah we'll never be like them anyway and you, you probably won't if you never do anything and then try to do a marathon straight away. No. But if, if you choose, and, and, and iDestiny is an amazing environment to just, you know, in, in how you guys live together, 
it's like actually learning how to do brave communication, learning how to address things, learning how to submit to each other, learning how to forgive, but also learning to push each other. And, and that was part of what I was trying to say this morning in, in worship as well. There's stuff inside of you. Don't, like, it needs to bubble up. Who cares what other people think or don't think? Who cares if you sing the right stuff? But let passion just burst forth, bubble forth, because, yeah. And that is what I love about those groups that I don't agree with at all, theologically. But when they come together and do spiritual warfare, whoo, there's passion there, yeah? I'm like, ah, I see things differently. But I love that you guys are willing to fast through the night. I do that as well, by the way. <laughs> I go to bed and do eat anything until I get up in the morning again. I'm really strict about that. Do that every single night. Uh, no, but like, that there's such passion that like, I'm willing to invest into this thing. And then I love that God revealing more and more is like, actually, you don't have to work for my approval anymore. You don't have to fight for victory. You get to fight from victory now. It's like, oh, this is amazing. But the passion still remains the same. Actually, it needs to grow. If my theology doesn't produce passion, uh, if it doesn't taste like Jesus, Mr. Passion himself, if it doesn't smell, feel like Jesus, probably isn't Jesus. Yeah, so just that. Say, God, come on, how is this going to... And I'm not talking about a personality change. You're an introvert, now you have to be an extrovert. That's not what I'm talking about at all. But you can be the most introverted person, but man, you're passionate about John Grisham books. And every time we're talking about it, you're just like, oh, you know, have you read this book? Have you read... It's like, you can be the most... You, everybody has passion. Absolutely. So, Yahweh... Nissi. Now I know that Andy is talking about um, worship and warfare a lot. I want to give a little bit of a thing there as well. Where God actually, there's an altar that Moses built to God after an amazing incident. And he called the altar, our God or the Lord's, our banner. It's like, this is the one under whose banner we walk, under whose banner we live, Yahweh Nisi. He's the one. Um, another one for another one of his names is Lord Baal Peratim, which is Lord of the Breakthrough. It's that sort of, like, actually, and it's all grace. Like, you don't have to do this yourself, but I'm the one that is actually breaking through on your behalf. You just get to walk and live in my, in my wake and just enjoy the benefits of that. There's, there's those two stories, Exodus 17, where Moses is on the mountain with her and with his brother Aaron. Um, and then there's the other story in um, 2 Chronicles 20, where it talks about Jehoshaphat in the Valley of Decision. Um, I'm sure Andy talked about that already, has he? No? Come on, Andy. Maybe I'll steal his thunder right now. Thunder, thunder. Just reading you the, um, the Moses story first, okay? <clears throat> Again, I need to put this put it in my pocket. So, Exodus 17. While the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek came to fight against them. Moses commanded Joshua. This is why you have interns. Yeah? <laughs> Call the Israelites and fight the army. I, um, I'll pray. Yeah? <laughs> this is what Moses said. I love it. <laughs> Um, call the Israelites to arms and fight the army of Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with a staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded. He led his men out to fight the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron and Hur went on top of a nearby hill. And as long as Moses held up the staff with his hands, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites gained the upper hand. Moses' arms finally became too tired to hold up the staff any longer. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side, holding up his hands until sunset. As a result, Joshua and his troops were able to crush the army of Amalek. Then the Lord instructed Moses, write this down as a permanent record. And then announced it to Joshua, you know, down with Amalek and all of that. And Moses built an altar and called it, The Lord is my banner. 
the kingdom is a weird thing. The kingdom has connections that make no sense. There's a story of Eli, who's the second one? Elisha, Ja. Um, coming to the king, Elisha. Ah, because in German it's the other way around. The second guy, yeah, the baldy. Do you know the story? Where the kids are like, baldy, baldy. He had an anger issue as well. He cursed them and then bears came and devoured the kids. Yeah, <laughs> like, whoa, uh, don't, don't mess with the prophets. But yeah, so don't mess with me. Uh, um, where was I? Oh yeah, he came. The, the, um, the prophet comes to the king. The king doesn't really believe in God, but you know, when you're desperate, everybody prays. So, um, so the, the prophet comes and he says to him, these are the arrows of the victory of the Lord, hint, 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 okay? And then he says, first of all, um, I'm going to open the window and you're going to shoot some arrows out. And the king's like, oh, okay, this is embarrassing. And then the prophet's like, all right, um, another exercise. This, these are the arrows of the victory of the Lord, hint, hint, hint. Bash the floor. And the king's like, oh, for goodness sake, but the, the prophet is asking me to and my gang is watching, so one to his feet and gives him back and the prophet gets angry he's like oh if you have hit the ground four or five times the lord would have given you complete victory but now you only have three temporary victories because you have not put faith in this prophetic action and the king's like oh, uh, uh, i didn't realize it was a test C can i do it again give me give me the errors again it's like nope too late not getting the errors back it's a weird thing prophetic Actions are strange, and we have done strange things in the name of prophecy that probably weren't. We just had a feeling, or somebody just loves flags, and every time they feel like, oh, we need to raise the flag, it's like, nah, not the flag again. I was just at a big, big, big conference, and those Chinese, almost every one of them had shofars. Like, at any chance they got, it's like, shofar, shofar, shofar. It's like, for goodness sake, as if God's deaf, yeah? It's like, so while we may have not always stewarded the prophetic well, that does not mean, or that does not take away from the power of it. And there, there is something with actions here that have an immediate impact in the visible that actually it doesn't make any sense, but it just is. And I don't know why, but it just is. My, my, my suspicions are that this is, there's so many times <clears throat> when I'm just in my own room, nobody's watching me, and I do stuff that I just feel like this is now a prophetic thing for, you know, declaring victory over this or just, just setting people free and forget theology because sometimes you just feel Holy Spirit saying something like, ah, I don't even believe this Holy Spirit. He's like, ah, it doesn't matter, but this is it for right now. Yeah? Peter, he has this vision. He's in a trance. He has a vision of stuff that he doesn't believe. Eat and, or kill and eat all the unclean animals. He's like, ah, I don't even believe this. Doesn't matter. Right now, this is the right thing to do. It's like, ah, okay, Holy Spirit, you're really stretching me. He's like, that's the point. But you do stuff prophetically. And then there is a visible breakthrough over here. And you're like, I have no idea how they're connected. <coughs> and it is. That victory is not one in the flesh, but victory is always one in the spirit. And the flesh is just the outworking of stuff that is happening in the invisible. Very practically, the new creation is one of those things. <coughs> um, your reality and what you manifest is the manifestation of the reality that you live in and believe in on the inside. Makes sense. Yeah? You think you're a saint? You're going to manifest traits of a saint. You believe you're a sinner, you're going to manifest traits of a sinner. Very simple. So the same thing with stuff that is happening in the spirit has an impact. And, and again, I, I don't want to over, like in the past, oh, we were so afraid. We're like Christians are very prone, especially charismatic Christians, to superstition. It's like, oh, um, don't know if you remember cassette tapes. But whenever there was like cassette tapes rolled out, 
and we thought, oh, that was witches, and they put a curse on the cassette tape, and now we have to pray against whatever curses there might be. And, and it, whether there was or wasn't, again, today in my theology, I'm like, there's no place for a curse to land in my life. Proverbs says this. It's like a fluttering sparrow. It's like, doesn't, uh, there's no room. What, what? Curse me all you want, but I live under the blessing of God. There's an open heaven all the time. I mean, either, either he who is greater in me than he is in the world, or he, he who is, great, he is greater that is in the world than me. And I believe my Jesus is pretty big. Yeah, so witches or no witches, doesn't matter. But we got in a real, we, we did all of weird things. <clears throat> but here's Moses up on the mountain. And again, there's no instruction. Yeah, God did not give him any manual. That was just like, Moses just knew there's going to be a fight. Ah, I better pray. Okay? And then so Joshua is down there. And Moses just always takes his staff with him because, well, that's the staff that God gave him. So I'm just going to take it with me. And uh, he's just like, Shambaranda, Dadoso, on the mountain, you know, the three of them just like having a prayer meeting. And then Moses gets really excited and puts the stuff in the air because he thought, I'm just going to make a prophetic statement, victory. And he realized, whoo, that, that actually works. Yeah? Like, as long as he puts his stuff up, Joshua wins. He's like, huh. Uh, it's like, if, if I was Moses, I was like, let's, let's test this theory for a bit. And Joshua, died. it's like, Moses, stop messing about. Lift your hands up. Yeah, so, so he's like, oh, okay, this, this, this has an effect down there. This is the weirdest thing. What does a guy with a stick on a mountain have to do with genuine warfare, sword to sword, down there? It does. Yeah. And so he's up there, and now he gets his brother and his friend, and they're standing with him. And nobody's asking why. They just know this is what we need to do now. And they're not thinking, okay, it's five minutes. This is embarrassing now. You know, we got to move on. It's a conference. We invited a guest speaker. We got to just, it's like, no, this is what God has said. Are we going to see this thing through until there's victory? And it takes until the evening now. Not to be too crude or crass, but Moses probably had to go wee. Yeah? Or even do a number two. And he's like, I can't leave, boys. Because... <laughs> If I'm, if I'm going to go, and it's not, it, it's not, oh, you can take my spot and take, you know, Aaron, can you take the staff for a bit while I uh, <clears throat> hop in the bushes? No. So this is, this is all, I'm just reading a lot in, into that story that isn't there. Yeah? But the point is, just because it's uncomfortable, just because it's embarrassing, doesn't mean, oh, God couldn't, oh, this is not like God. He's not out there to embarrass me. It's like... He's God. He's, he's not, he isn't set out to embarrass you. Not at all. He's, he's, not, he's not there to humiliate you. We are very afraid of being humiliated. And he's not out there to humiliate you. But to walk in true humility and say, Heidi Baker, you know, she's one of those examples that everybody loves using. But she does what she does with her husband because of what God did in Toronto um, and how she responded to him in Toronto. So there was, there was a thing where she was so drunk she couldn't even walk anymore. Her husband had to carry her into bed, had to change her, had to put her on the toilet. It's like, just like um, why would God do that? You know, it's like, and what's the fruit? Everybody's asking, well, what's the fruit? It's like, I have no idea. Now, 20 years later, welcome to the fruit. Yeah, just wow. Um, she actually did a headstand, like, against, against the wall. Like, you know, oh, everybody's worshipping, glory, hallelujah. And there's somebody doing a headstand. Like, what is this person doing? And then I was like, I don't know, it's just, it's just God. I'm, I'm not allowed to do anything else right now. And then afterwards, God was saying, because she's a doctor, it's like, you've been filling your head with all the structures and all the right things, but you've seen no fruit. There was no depth to it. There was no life in it. It's time for things to be turned upside down. And it was this weird thing that, it's like, I'm sure God could have said it and that would have been it. But somehow, it required the obedience as well as like, because walking in humility does require obedience at times. Where it's like, ah, 
it would be a lot easier not to do it right now, but oh, this is it. And so I, I can't even tell you always the correlation between spirit and, and material, but I'm telling you, when God says do something, do it. Just do it. And you stick with it until you feel it's through. Not until you think, oh, it's enough. Yeah. There's, honestly, there's... And it's embarrassing at times. You're at a conference and God says, yell, because there's breakthrough coming for everybody that hears you calling my name. They're like, ah, oh, okay, during worship I can yell Jesus once. Jesus! And then it's quiet. Are you, are you willing to keep going? And this is, this is in the context of a Christian conference, yeah? This is, this is nothing weird yet. Um, but, and, and I'm, the Bible is full of those things, but that wasn't everyday life for any of them. So I'm not saying every day the Lord is asking to, for you guys to walk in a weird prophetic thing. Not at all. Sometimes the prophetic things were extremely weird. Sometimes they're not very normal. God lifted Ezekiel by his hair and by his beard. I mean, that's why Shaves is like, you're not catching me, God. But he's like lifting him physically in the spirit and showed him what happens in Jerusalem. Not in a vision. Like, wow. There's another, like you read through the Old Testament prophets and, and they, they were the message. They weren't just, this is, by the way, guys, this is what's happening. But it's like, this is what's going to happen. You, by the way, you have to lie naked on, this, on one side for a year. And then you get a chance to turn around. <laughs> you, you have to cook your food over human dung. I really don't like this. All right, it gets to be cow dung. You, you hide your underwear down by the river until they're rotten and then go and wear them again. Yeah. You, you just, what? And that's exactly the, you don't use the door anymore. Here's a hammer, put a hole through the wall and use that for, from now on as your door. Strange stuff. And everybody was asking, why the heck are you doing this? And then the word of the Lord came. Now, that was always a prophetic thing um, that then had outworkings. But here with Moses, there was this. Actually, when we realize who we are and what Jesus did for us, this whole praying in order to get victory gets changed to a praying, a releasing of victory into every circumstance. Because when you still pray for victory, you're praying with doubt. Because you're not really sure. You're hoping. But actually, ah. But when you s realize Ephesians, have you read Sid Walk Stand? Ah. You're seated in heavenly places. Flipping heck, I get to release the victory of Jesus, the resurrected one. This is his will. And then you just, you release victory rather than hoping that God is going to come through. Does it make sense? Now, the whole lifting of hands, even in our worship, so often in our, in our life, in, in, in outreach, when you guys do outreach, it's not a, oh, I think this is a good plan. I hope God blesses it. It's the, it has to be the other way around. God, what is going on in heaven? What is your plan for today? Jesus didn't do anything that he didn't see his father do first. It's that, like, and this is where faith comes from. Because you see the victory. And you're like, ah, oh, oh, this is it. I just get to declare it on, heaven, uh, on earth now. Because I'm seeing it in, in heaven. But if we don't see stuff in heaven and we're just like, ah, hoping that God is blessing my clever idea. That, and that's most of the prayers that we've kind of prayed in the past. And, and that's not faith. That's, God, I did this. Do you like it? Hopefully, maybe bless it. No. It's like, you are the one on the mountain declaring victory and then seeing what stuff is happening. Um, there's, um, there's a story of of King Jehoshaphat in two chronicles, and uh, this is this is even worse, because 
well, I'll just read it and then starts at verse 1. After this, the armies of the Moabites, the Ammonites, and some of the Meunites declared war on Jehoshaphat. Messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army from Edom is marching against you beyond the Dead Sea. They are already at Hazazon Tamar. That was the, um, the other name for En Gedi. Jehoshaphat was alarmed by this news and sought the Lord for guidance. So would I. Yeah. Oh. Um, he also gave orders that everyone throughout Judah should observe a fast. Not a bad thing either. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord. Now this is a, this is a genuine life and death situation. This is not, oh, I don't have money for my holiday this year. I really feel the, you know, there's an attack on our finances. And no, this is like, ah, we're going to die. Okay? Um, Jehoshaphat stood before the people of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord. And this is, this is amazing. Okay, there, there is a genuine issue. What would be the very first thing that you say to God? Help. Help. Yeah? Because we have a problem. Listen to his prayer. Oh Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. You're like, oh yes, flipping heck, this is... This is an amazing God. To our God, did uh, our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Your people settled here and built this temple for you. Then we said, whenever we are faced with calamities such as war, disease, famine, we can come and stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. We can cry out to you to save us and you will hear and rescue us. This is, he's just saying, God, you're incredible. You are, he's just declaring who he is. And now, and finally he comes to the help. But he's, he's not, actually, let's just remember who God is. Because if we, if we forget who God is, all this praying thing is, is becoming very frantic. But there won't be any faith behind this. And now see what the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir are doing. You will not let our ancestors invade those nations when they left Egypt. <coughs> so they went around them and did not destroy them. Now see how they reward us. For they have come to throw us out of your land, which you gave to us as an inheritance. Oh God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we're looking to you for help. As all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with the little ones, the wives, the children, the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Yahaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Beniah, son of Yael, son of Matanai, a Levite, who was a descendant of Asaph. Okay? This, this, is, this is all of Israel. Okay? This is not just a um, cell group meeting. This is all of Israel, and this is a life and death kind of situation. And the Holy Spirit says to something, uh, says to somebody that has never prophesied before, and as far as we know, has never ever prophesied since. Okay? And this is again what I said this morning. I really don't care who you think you are. When Holy Spirit stirs something inside of you, go for it. Because he's given you the key for the breakthrough for everybody. If this guy would have said, ah, but I'm not a prophet. I'm just a descendant of the, uh, I haven't been trained. I didn't go through our destiny core value month. Then, then but most of us, we do that. Ah, there's probably somebody better here. Yeah? I don't know. I'm, maybe I will wait for confirmation. Maybe I can give the confirming word. Oh, yeah, I had this as well. No. I'm t can have I, have I kicked your butts enough? It's like, seriously, don't, don't allow anything to spiritually disqualify you. Okay? And this is not even a, okay, let's, let's test prophecy. And if it's, it's okay, we all make mistakes, we all learn. It's like, no, we're making mistakes, we're dead. Like, this is not just a little Sunday afternoon exercise. <clears throat> he said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat, listen all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. The battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. This is an outrageous prophetic word. Okay? 
you will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jerua. But you will not even need to fight. We read this and like, oh, this is a good word. This is the very first time that this guy prophesies. And he prophesies about a war that the army has not to engage in. Yeah, if he's wrong, I mean, they'll see tomorrow if he's right or wrong. But this is, whew, I'd be so afraid to give that word. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you. O people of Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out there tomorrow, for the Lord your God is with you. Okay? Now, there's a whole, there's, there's a whole people there. Not just five. There's a whole people there. And you're the king. And now some guy that you don't even know who he is, that never prophesied before, gives this word. You're like, right, um, any others? Any other pictures? Maybe some, you know, did anybody else feel anything? That's what I would do, yeah? King Jehoshaphat, he is somebody that he recognized. God just spoke through you, and I am putting weight on that. He bowed down with his face to the ground. He's, he's worshiping now because the Lord has spoken. And all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshipping the Lord. Then the Levites from the clan of Kohat and Korah stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. Okay. Early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, Listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in His prophets, and you'll succeed. Yeah, you've, you've, the prophecy is such a weird thing and uh, we get a better grasp on it with, with each year that goes by and yet there's just so much that we don't understand. So many prophecies that have not been fulfilled, so many public prophecies about an earthquake that's going to destroy a city because the Lord is angry again or that hasn't come to pass and just, you know... We're learning, and now with, with the U.S., there was prophecies about either candidate. This is the woman of the Lord. This is the man of the Lord. And and yet, it's like, believe in the Lord, and you'll stand firm. But believe in His prophets, and you'll succeed. And there's really something about just asking God for that foresight. It's like... Dad, what is it? In business as well. It may not even make sense, but I feel like I have to hire this person. I have to invest in this thing. I think I have to hang out with that one. I think I have to do this. I know this is a really good deal, but I don't have peace about this. And, and everybody will hate me for not taking this deal, but I just can't. Um, and, and this is what Holy Spirit does inside of you guys. There was, um, um, when I was in Toronto, <clears throat> the, we were... As interns, we got paid, which is incredible, mm. pocket money every, um, <clears throat> every month. But also, we had to pay half our airfare for the outreaches that we went to. And, um, and I thought, this is an amazing deal. I mean, I, you know, I get food and accommodation for free, get all this pocket money. Back in the days of CDs, I just I loved going to CD shops and just my Saturdays I spent just buying cheap CDs. Loved it. I had so much money. Like, this is, wow. There's not enough coffee that I can drink. And apart from CDs, I didn't buy anything. So for me, like paying half the airfare, is like, of course. Now others didn't see it like that. There's, oh, we don't get, we get paid only pocket money. And now you're asking us to, to pay half our airfare. And there was a bit of a commotion there. And, um, and then, <laughs> All the interns decided, you know what? We're going to write a petition to the, um, to the school leaders. And we're going to put it in writing. And we ask them to, um, that we don't have to. We explain that we think it's not fair. And we ask them to remove the fees for us. And so the, there was a little petition written with spaces for everybody to sign. And then it was given around in the office for all our interns, for all of us to sign. And when it came to me, I just didn't have peace about it. There was nothing. I thought, oh, of course it makes sense if I don't have to pay airfares. It's, I've got even more money, but I'm, I'm happy paying it as well. So, 
So it wasn't even a logical, I have a reason for this, an argument for that. It was just, I don't have peace about this. Now, the thing is, the girl that initiated it, she, um, she's South African. I flipping heck, I was afraid of her. I, she, honestly, she's a, she's, she's a gorgeous girl, but she's a... She, yeah, all us boys were just afraid. Seriously, it's like, oh, I better sign because this, you, you scare me, genuinely scare me. Um, but there was this thing of, I, I don't have peace about this. I don't even know why. I can't, like, if you ask me why, and that's what she did. Because, you know, you're sitting at your desk, and she stands right there. You think, and, and everybody's just signed, yeah? The, the whole office is behind this. And now, South African girl stands there and ask you to sign and you're like sorry uh, I don't want to and I'm, I'm really not a timid person but man I, I, was, uh, <laughs> I don't want to what do you mean you don't want to it's like gee, gee, all of that is like I, I, I'm, I don't even want to say you guys are wrong or I'm right it's like I just I just don't want to sign because I don't and I don't even have a good reason I wish I had one yeah and I feel like I'm letting all of you guys down because there's all that peer pressure um, <clears throat> I didn't sign, and uh, they were like, right, well, if we sign it, and then uh, blah, 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 you, you would still have to pay your half. I said, oh, that's all right, you know. Um, I, I go out, and long story short, the director was so hurt, like, I've never seen him that hurt. And it wasn't about the money, it was about how it's being done, and there wasn't a conversation, but there was more very legal documents, and why, why are you guys not talking to me? So it was a big deal, and I didn't even understand why it was a big deal, but for two days, there was lots of talk and back and forth, and I was sitting outside thinking, flipping heck, I'm so glad I didn't sign. Yeah? All these guys are sorting out their relationship and they apologize. You know, we didn't mean to hurt you. They say, yeah, but uh, we need more money. I'm like, praise the Lord. La, 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 la. Look who's happy now. And, uh, and that, w- that was this thing of like, you don't need to understand. But believe in the prophets and you'll succeed. Sometimes you don't know why. But you know that this is right and this is not right. And you just do it. And, and then the next day, he might flip it. Mo, um, Abraham, God said to him, sacrifice your son. That was God speaking. That wasn't the devil trying to whisper something like that. But then, when three days later, he said, stop. Yeah, if Abraham was being like, no, 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 I'm only doing what God told me. Like, get behind me, Satan. He's like, no, no, I'm not Satan. I'm God speaking now today. Okay, so just, God is not so much interested in theology as we are. Because we love our doctrines. Like, oh, okay, God is like this. Let's write a book about this. Yeah, the God of breakthrough. Because that sells. Yeah? And, and God's like, that, yeah, but tomorrow I might do it differently. What are you going to do then? Write another book? And we do. Yeah, and uh, we make lots of money. And God's like, I don't really care about this stuff. Because I'm not necessarily interested in writing another book I'm interested in, are you listening? Yeah, I've got one. I don't, you know, he's not writing the Bible 2.0. It's, it's just like this, am I willing to listen to God today? And then tomorrow it's like, okay, but now, now it's just something different. Like, okay. And that is, again, that's a relationship. Right. And after consulting, okay, so, so Jehoshaphat just said this. Guys, believe in God and you'll be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets and you'll succeed. Okay? And this is funny now because in church, everybody wants to be on the worship team. Yeah? Because those are the rock stars, even if it's just in front of two people. But I'm the worship team. I just play guitar and I play drums and, and it's all about Jesus, but I'm still on stage. It's pretty cool. Yeah? Um... And uh, so, after consulting the leaders of the people, the king appointed singers. Because what did the word say? What did the prophetic word say? You don't even have to fight. All right? So if we don't even have to fight, hmm, we don't really need swords and shields and anything. Right? Because, I mean, we're believing the word. We're not just saying, oh, this is a really nice word. See what happens with it. No, we're believing in it. The king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army. 
Who does that? Who wants to be in the worship team now? The kamikaze worship team, right? Yeah. Here's the army. And we're going to send Matt Redman first with his, <laughs> with his acoustic guitar. Martin Smith is right there. Chris, Chris Kilala and the three of them. And, and this is the song that they're singing. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever. His faithfulness endures forever. This is, this is where that song came from. Yeah. This is what the worship team started singing, marching against an army with their army behind them. Like this, like, why, why, why are we again at the front? You know, with the shofars and little, little tambourines, like, maybe I can hit somebody with a stick here, but with anyway, shofar, maybe you can, it's like, this is, and they started singing, give thanks to the Lord. Now, when I was young and I was afraid of the dark, I had to go down into the basement, um, I was singing, yeah? like anything that I could sing. And the dark, it got the louder I got because I needed to sing myself into peace because I'm so scared of the dark, the dark. And I'm singing songs and I'm just, uh, this, yeah, all the time. So if I was there, I'd be yelling. It's like, his love endures forever. It's just, and I get poked from behind because the army just gets out. Ah. So, so this is them. Genuinely, this is a life and death situation. And, and the worship team, I'd be like, who, who, who gave that stupid word again? That prophetic word about not fight? What, how, what, the king, why did he believe that word? Like, and, and none of these guys are up there. I don't see the prophet standing in the first row. I don't see the king walk in the first row either. He put the, I didn't give the word. Did you give the word? No. And the mutiny or something, we would do that. But, but somehow these guys genuinely believe the prophetic word. It's really nice for us to talk about this in the confines of this year. But you need to understand that if this word is not happening the way they interpreted it, they will die. <laughs> At the, at the moment they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir, to start fighting among themselves, turning against their allies and killing every one of them. Yeah? And after they had finished off the army of Seir, they turned on each other. Unbelievable! There's... Hundreds of thousands of people and all of a sudden they start fighting against each other and then the last army just started turning against each other and The last guy probably just committed suicide. It's like like literally everybody's dead and Guys are like, you know, they're coming around the bend still singing his love and yours forever and then so when the armies of Judah arrived at the lookout point into the wilderness there were dead bodies lying on the ground for as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. And King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to gather plunder and found vast amounts of equipment, clothing, and other valuables, more than they could carry. There was, this is it. There was so much plunder that it took them three days to collect it all. Huh? So much stuff that it takes them three days to collect it. This is the weirdest, the weirdest thing. But I'm telling you, worship is the highest form of warfare. It's not your speaking in tongues. It's not your fasting. It's not your intercessory shofar blowing or anointing oil from Jerusalem. It is Jesus. You focus on Jesus. You worshiping Jesus. The highest form of warfare is lifting him up. And, uh, and again, just like, if he really is king of kings and lord of lords, if he is the all in all, if he is the almighty God, if he is the God of the impossible, let's worship him. And remind every situation, Paul puts it this way, we take captive every thought that raises itself up against the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Yeah? Everything that tries to distract you from Jesus, don't allow it. <clears throat> and if we know that He is Yahweh Nissi, our banner, ha, 
There's a problem. Oh, let's worship. But not like, oh, let's worship. So no, oh, let's worship. Yeah? There's a breakdown in relationship. Oh, let's worship. There's healing that's needed. Oh, let's worship. Because if I worship out of this place of being seated in heavenly places, declaring victory, oh, Jesus, you're so good. That's why this situation is going to be so good. Jesus, you're so full. That's why there's going to be no lack in this situation. It's just, it changes everything. You start declaring rather than pleading. It's a big, big difference. Because when you plead, actually, you're telling God that you have more compassion on that person than God has. That person is sick. Last thing that Jesus said is, guys, I've given you all authority. Now go and heal them. Yeah, I'm off. Um, And we encounter a sick person and we start pleading with Jesus, please heal them, please, please, please. And uh, Jesus is like, I I don't need convincing. It it was my idea to heal them, guys. Don't you remember? I I told you, heal them. But somehow we... What we are saying to God is, if I was God, I would heal that person. If I was almighty, I would do it. But I'm not sure if you want to, so I'm convincing you. And then we have the weirdest prayers. God, you, you see that he's, he's doing so much in your kingdom. You see that he's got a wife and three kids. As if we need to impress God. Like we're pleading a case before the judge for God to be like, all right. I mean, I was going to let him die of cancer, but you got me. I need him in my kingdom. But only if you promise me to, from now on, just live for me. That's, that's the weird stuff that we do. Like, God, I pro- if you heal me, I promise you, I'll just... Uh, like, what is this? As if we have more compassion on that person than God. Or whatever it is, any, anything that needs victory. As if God needs convincing. And we are the ones that are more compassionate than He is. It's like, no, it was my idea. Don't take that away from me. It was my idea. I want everyone to be well. I want everyone to be saved. That's why I died for everyone. And now everyone gets to choose to be reconciled with me. But just come on, tell them. It was my idea. But you get to, like, seriously, when you have people that aren't saved, again, whole nother issue of unwrapping this stuff. But like, Jesus, you love them more than I do. Do your thing. Do you think, Jesus, come on. I don't know how you did it with me, but you did it. So do you think with them? And it's, it's this declaring. It's you live from this place of victory. I've been to a, to a conference. <coughs> and, uh, <clears throat> and in the middle of worship, the leader went up on stage. And the uh, funniest thing. He said, I don't want to alarm you. But there's witches among us. <laughs> now everybody is alarmed, yeah? There's witches. How did the witches get in? Who let the witches in? On the security guys doing that. What, what are intercessors doing letting witches in? Yeah. Just, where's our hedge of protection? All of that stuff. If, ever, if you ever lead a meeting and there happens to be a witch in, just talk to the witch. Introduce her to Jesus. But don't, don't cause a panic. Because this is exactly what happened. So the guy's up there. He's like, I don't want to alarm you. But there's witches in here. And we need to pray. We need to pray right now. Yeah? And then you saw. This is what. After Lazarus died. No, after John the Baptist died. Jesus was just. He just needed a bit of time. He was sad. It's his cousin. He wanted to hang out with his dad on the mountain. But then he saw the people. And he had compassion for them. Why? Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were just... That conference felt like exactly that. Sheep without a shepherd. Because now everybody's just... Fear just kicked into gear. Everybody's like, oh, there's... Yeah, there's witches, that means there's demons. La, 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 la. So we got together in groups of four and five and we sing in victory songs. The blood of Jesus. And there's power in the name of Jesus. We cast out the devil and we... Whatever. And there was not an ounce of faith. It was just frantic fear. That was it. 
And, and I, I looked to, because I was one of the speakers there, like, this is, this is bad. I looked to one of the guys like, we need to, we need to fix this. We need to say something because there's, there's, there's no faith. There's no knowing who Jesus is. There's no knowing who they are. There was a, there's an utter portrayal of spiritual bankruptness, bankruptcy. Just like, I've got nothing. And it, just even the mention of a witch, just, I don't know what to do. And uh, we, we need to sing ourselves into some sort of a faith thing. And then just we got up and like, guys, come on. It's Jesus, he's Lord. And we, we didn't say it like this. We said it nicely. Because pe- people are generally afraid. You know, you, you generally need to meet them in their fears. But just you still point them to Jesus. Like, there's still a guy on the throne and his name is Jesus. That's just, it's easy. Uh, funny story. She wasn't a witch, yeah? So the leader had to come. I was like, oh, oh. Kind of embarrassing news. Uh, turns out she uh, <clears throat> just loves worshipping with flags and weird things. And some of our intercessors thought that was too weird to be God. So must be a witch. So unbelievable, unbelievable stuff. Oh, that person was completely hurt. Can you imagine worshipping Jesus and be like, she's a witch, she's a witch. <laughs> How do you know? You're putting a nose on her, a carrot. <laughs> Have you seen the movie? Um, what's that? Search for the Holy Grail. Funny. Anyway. Yeah. That's, she's a witch. How do you know? You got a pointy nose. <laughs> it's a carrot. You put a carrot on her. No, she's a witch. Anyway, but that's, that's what we Christians. We, we are so... It's, I, I honestly believe there's so much spiritual... Um, not just suspicion, but superstition, because we don't know who we are and we don't know who he is. Jesus fought constantly in the spirit. The devil comes to him and is like, hey, Jesus, if you're really the son of God, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus is like, I am hungry. Absolutely. I would love a burger right now, but it is written. Yeah. Sort of the spirit right there. Jesus, if you're really the son of God, um, just jump off the temple right now because he commanded his angels to carry you. I said, yeah, but it's written. Don't, don't tempt the Lord your God. Like, All right, Jesus, if you're really the son of God, then I bow down to me because, well, um, I'm going to give you all the riches and the kingdoms of this world because they're given to me. It's like, yeah, but just, you're only supposed to worship Jesus. Or what well, he talks about. <laughs> I'm going to worship myself. <laughs> Jesus, you're so great. <laughs> like, worship the Lord your God. And, uh, and there was no flipping heck. I, he was actually tempted by the devil, yeah? Uh, Jesus, generally, it was the devil. It wasn't like some sub-demon there, uh, an intern demon that had just like, okay, let's just try see what you can do. I was like, if anybody ever had reason to have an intercessory team about him, it was Jesus. Come on. Seriously, have Jesus' back because if he fails, all humanity is doomed. Just have his back. What was that? Um, and, uh, and he didn't. He's just like, I know who I am. I know who my dad is. And, uh, and whether you believe it or not, that's not the thing. But this is... This, yeah? Okay. God fights for us. This, he's, he's, he always had. He always will be. His secret is he's never lost a battle. He's not afraid of challenging stuff either. He's, you know, we, we think of Jesus as uh, meek and mild and, and all of that. And that is absolutely true. But, you know, Ephesians 6 quite clearly says, guys, we, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. This is not about who you like the most. About, and, you know, having a stand against a spirit that is behind something, we need to, be, we need to realize that actually P- Jesus died for those people. That he, he wants to deliberate, he wa- uh, deliber- deliver them. He wants to set them free. That's why that if, there's a, if there's something spiritual over their eyes that they cannot see Jesus under that oppression... He's going to remove that so they can see him for who he really is, so they can choose him. So Jesus is, is very much into warfare spiritually. But he's like, we're not, Paul's like, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. 
It's against the principalities. It's against. So I'm not. I'm not even saying we we're supposed to. So many times I get asked, "Ooh, what, what kind of spirit team do you see over our city over our time?" I'm like, I, I haven't looked. I haven't asked. But I can tell you, over me, there's an open heaven. There's like that's the only thing that matters to me. And and I want to tell you guys. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But if you believe that you are under a closed heaven, when you believe that <clears throat> we are, I mean, the amount of times that people say, oh, there's a real, there's a demonic stronghold in our town. For some reason, as if it would make them more interesting or it would give them more excuses not to be as powerful or as, as I don't know, but it's like, oh, it's really tough here. It's just... And as, as our destiny, with every school, we realize that there is no such thing as a tough spot for Jesus. Just isn't. Even in Nazareth, where people knew him and thought, ah, he's not the Messiah. He's not the Messiah. He's just a very naughty boy. Uh, no, not Monty Python. You guys need to watch Monty Python. Anyway, um, where they it's like, ah, oh, this is just Jesus. That's, you know, we know his brothers. We know his mom and dad. He couldn't do very many big miracles, but he still did. I destiny went to take anywhere. I destiny went to Bulgaria. Yeah, under under hundreds of years of Turkish oppression, and then oh, I don't know how many years—eighty years of Soviet, or forty years of Soviet Union—and it's just emotionally completely devastated. There's nothing there. It's absolutely. Gray. I mean, we went there um, with with an outreach team, and uh, one of the local pastors took us to a shop um, to buy groceries, and because uh, we didn't understand how things work, and all of a sudden there seems to be this argument because the the pastor there and the woman behind the till is oh, 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 and I was like, oh man, what what was happening? And later on, we paid. I was like. Well, how? It's like, oh, just to ask her how she's doing. And she said, things are not so well. But I said, I'm going to pray for her. Like, that did not sound like that at all. That sounded angry and just volatile. And, and in this place where people say, oh, there's no hope. There really is no hope. There's, and in, generally, like all the houses are gray. There's no color. There's nothing there. It's like, well, let's see what God can do. And uh, it's just incredible. We've seen people heal. We've seen backs being straightened. We've seen legs grow out. We've seen eyes open. That was incredible. That was in Bulgaria. That was where, where people say, oh, nothing's going to happen. Yeah. Then we went to, to Northern Ireland a couple times to Belfast as a school from England with all, you know, all the background with hostility and the troubles and all of that. You're probably not going to... You can minister to some people, but not to all people because... Some people will just be very close to as soon as you hear about or they hear about um, you being from England. And it was Irvin, actually. It wasn't when he was a student, but when he, he went as a um, helper, leader. They went into a loyalist pub and uh, just in there, just full of, like, faith. Where he, he said, on this outreach, I was surprised when people didn't get healed. That was the norm. He walked into the pub just shouting, does anybody need healing? Yeah. And then the woman behind the till is like, this guy does. He's just been complaining about his headache all the time. It's like, all right, let me pray for you. In the pub, just as an Englishman, just, you don't, yeah. And uh, headache gets healed. I'm, oh, this is incredible. And then he just shouts to his mates like, you, you, you've got pain in your knee. Let this guy pray for him. So he prays for him. That guy gets healed. This is all happening in the pub, and then one of the big, um, let Irvin tell you the story. He's one of the big, uh, they don't call arms dealers, smugglers, but you know what I mean, people that were su supplying um, the IRA and stuff with, with guns out of the back of the cars. He just comes up to Irvin, he's like, you, and Irvin turn, turns around to him, he's like, you, think you need a hug. And uh, he just, Irvin just grabs this guy and just says, do you know what? That God loves you. <clears throat> and, and the guy doesn't even get out of the hug. He's like, you don't know who I am, do you? He's like, no, I don't know who you are, but God knows you. And he says that uh, he's proud of you. And he breaks down and cries. He's like, I'm, I'm one of the captains in blah, blah, blah. 
and I'm a big man around here, and kingdom is alive and well when you know who you are and who your God is. We went to France. People, all oh, the French, they're an ungodly people. That's an ungodly um, country with whatever curses and all that, and nothing's going to happen. <sighs> Same thing. People got saved. People got healed. People got brought back into church. Not that it's about bringing people back in church, but it's about that community thing. Back to Germany, all Germany, that's really hard. Bollocks, there's just people just got saved. And just like, honestly, again, it it is so incredible. Then um, Spain, where you guys are going, ask Ian. Ian Jeff, is Ian actually around at the moment or is he somewhere in America or Germany or wherever he is? But went to Spain, saw with... who else? It was Faith and some other guys. But they prayed for a blind woman. Her eyes opened. Where's like, oh, Spain, nothing happens in Spain. Went to Norway. Norway is like, oh, they've got everything. They are so rich. They just, you know, they just don't need God. It's, just, it's a very, um, it's not even an atheistic. It's just agnostic country with la, la, la. Three days into outreach, the team made it onto front page of the newspaper with a headline saying, God has visited the town. Whoa. Just, uh, actually, uh, I need to show you this. It's uh, um, simply by knowing who God is. Yahweh Nissi, my banner. I'm not under anything. I'm over everything. And that doesn't mean that things don't affect me. Of course I get sad and happy and all of this. And sometimes I get worried and I get scared. But actually realizing I am seated in heavenly places and I get to declare victory. This is who my God is. And in my prayer closet, if you want to call it that way, for me it's mostly just everyday life. I walk about. As soon as you have kids, you don't have a prayer closet anymore. You know, you start praying, changing nappies at three in the morning. Just like there's nothing holy about wiping dirty bums, but God is right there. And you, honestly, and you learn how to pray. And you're just like, you are everywhere. And, and you start declaring, you start singing. You, as, as you do your dishes, you're like, Jesus, you know, the situation with my parents, that just needs fixing. My dad last night got um, rushed into hospital high blood pressure he fainted and all of that it's like i mean he he's he was so sick last year that we weren't quite sure whether he's going to survive christmas and then all of a sudden he got better and now he's got very bad again and i'm just like if it's his time to die i want him to go but in strength yeah it's like nobody is supposed to die sick just that's so um am i going to be uh, am I emotionally involved right now? Absolutely. He's my dad. He's in hospital. But victory. It's like, Jesus, it's like you've, you've got this thing in your hand. Because me, ah, it's not going to change anything. It's just going to make me more stressed and actually um, zap any bit of faith that is there. I need to, uh, need to find this. There's no, I just need no way. I'll find this eye. But all I want to tell you guys is your God is so much bigger than you know him to be. And if he genuinely, not just as a prophetic thing or, you know, if he can genuinely send the worship team into battle because you won't even have to fight there's nothing in your life that he doesn't have in his hand. And where there is fear, it's not about, oh, I shouldn't have fear, or oh, that means oh, I don't have enough faith, or oh, I don't know God yet. It's, yeah, Dad, I don't know in this area that you are actually Yahweh, Nisi, my banner. I just, I can live under this thing in complete peace. There was a storm and Jesus slept. There wasn't a test. That wasn't like, Okay, you know, he's like on his pillow with one eye open. Like, what are these guys going to do? Ah, oh, they're idiots. I knew it. Oh. No. He's like, guys, I'm done for the day. 
Yeah. And then there's a storm and they wake him up, the savior of the world, asking him, don't you care that we're perishing? He's like, I, I came to save you, not that you're perishing. Yeah, but, but it's this, if you are, if you know who you are, if you know who your God is, you can sleep through the storm. And I know it's a, re, it's a cliche kind of thing, but it's true. You have authority over every storm that you can sleep through. Because then you realize it's not faith that you have to conjure up, but faith rises up when you look to him. Don't take your eyes off Jesus. That's what the devil wants to do. He's called the Lord of the flies. Yeah, the one that distracts you. He's like, oh, look over here. We got to fight a demon. Look over there. So far, we got to do over there more intercession. No, it's like, keep your eyes firmly fixed on Jesus, the author, the perfecter of your faith. He who's able to present you holy, blameless before the Father. To Him be glory in the church throughout the ages. Amen. Yeah? So just, when you encounter a demon, a little devil, or maybe the devil himself, yeah? Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, you're so good. It doesn't have to be anything that you get worked up about. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Destiny Podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.